Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the Thursday edition of the Rebel Report. The last time you're going to hear from us before Ole Miss and LSU. And uh, I talked to a friend that's in town earlier, and he said it's already buzzing. It was Thursday morning, and he said the town is already buzzing. Uh, there are tickets still available if you want them, but very few. They were in the three figures uh, as of this morning, so the game's going to sell out. The, even if it doesn't sell out, they're going to find a way to get all of the tickets they have out, and it's going to sell out. The atmosphere is going to be fantastic, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Just thoughts on the game, some things that Kiffin has asked for going into this game from you, the fan a particular recruit that's going to be in town this weekend, which it's kind of funny about that, by the way. We'll start with this. Did I say who we were? I'm Michael Borky, Stephen Gagliano. People know us by now. Um, Before Arch Manning made visits at other schools, I got push notifications on my phone. I got, here's what Arch Manning visiting Athens means in his recruitment. I haven't seen any of that shit about Ole Miss. Nothing. I, I mean, on three recruiting did something earlier about Arch Manning visiting Ole Miss. So at least to their credit, they're covering it. But I have not seen anything remotely close to the way it was covered when he visited Texas, when he visited Tuscaloosa. And my God, they put his face on the camera during the Georgia game that he was at for seriously 20 minutes. You saw his face on camera at the Georgia Gate. You are not seeing that kind of coverage for this visit, which, by the way, isn't his first one. His second one, my God, his family has a home in town. When they were displaced by the hurricane, he was in Oxford. He's visited the program many, many times, taken his OV when his uncle is getting his jersey retired with his names painted in the end zone, and you've got people that are pretending that that eh, Ole Miss just kind of there, whatever, like not involved at all. It's mind-blowing how this recruitment is being covered. I'm not saying he's going to sign with Ole Miss. I, I don't even know if they're the favorite right now, but holy shit, excuse my language, it's twice now already. The way it's being covered is disingenuous garbage. It reminds me of Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil, if you listen to him while he was being recruited, he said Ole Miss every step of the way in every interview – yeah, you know, I like Georgia. I like this place. Old Miss has recruited me really, really hard. I like I like Coach Kiffin there. Chris Kiffin was his primary recruiter. I like Coach Kiffin there, and, it, you know, I really like Old Miss. He said that in every single interview. But the day he signs with Old Miss, shocker, out of Florida, Laramie Tunsil signs with a school that he wasn't even really in on. Or, or they weren't even in this. Re- he said it at every step of the way. I like Old Miss. At every point, he mentioned Ole Miss and his recruitment, but everybody ignored it. Or this, did he? He did. I, I, know, I, I know he did. The same thing's happening here. Nobody talked. I mean, my God, Reese Davis on game day. Oh, I'm hearing some buzz out of Athens and Austin. For I mean, they talked about his recruitment on game day. Didn't even mention Ole Miss. That, that's, and then what's going to happen is he's going to sign. Or if he signs with Ole Miss, wow, out of nowhere, hmm, that, what happened there? His name is on the damn practice facility. Uh, uh, that, and the street that it's on. On the street that it's on. His grandfather, who he's named after, is the most legendary player in the history of his school, or of the school. His dad went there. I mean, 
I don't know why I let this kind of stuff bother me, but it's so transparent. It is so freaking transparent when this kind of stuff comes out or when this kind of stuff happens, why it happens. Because how dare Ole Miss be in on a high-profile recruit? How dare they? Georgia, by the way, has five five stars committed. They're about to get number six. Yeah, they got but one. You, but you don't get that kind of rhetoric around them. Yeah. But how dare, how dare Ole Miss think that they can sign good players? I got, when you, you're talking about the way that it's been covered so far and the, and the different things that have come out, I got a Fox News alert about his visit to Texas. Not Fox Sports, not FS1, not ESPN. It was literally a Fox News alert that came up as a push notification on my phone yep. about that. So it's incredible the way that this has gone so far. We've talked about it before that it's only going to intensify as we go from here. And maybe people take it as kind of a maybe a given that Ole Miss is in on it. But again, I, I think I, I, I know I agree with you that it is disingenuous for them to not mention Ole Miss in any of these kind of things. No, but that, that's just how it is. That it's it's just how it is. But big weekend, uh, Eli Manning Day. They've done a really nice job, at least so far, and we'll see how the weekend goes, of course. But they're having some kind of banquet or whatever tonight at the uh, the inn there on campus. Uh, Eli will actually, I think, speak to the media tonight as well. If if you're interested, you can find it somewhere. Um, the end zones painted red with Manning written across, all that stuff. I mean, it, it's a far cry from what the Washington football did, team did this past weekend. Did you see that? That was disgusting, honestly. The way that they used Sean Taylor almost as a way to deflect from everything else that was going on with that team. And whatever, maybe they had this ceremony ready to go months ago, like people tried to say. I don't believe that they had that ready to go. I think that was totally thrown together at the last second, and that was awful. Yeah. So in case you don't know what we're talking about, this player uh, is is now deceased also, making it even worse. But um, Washington, after bad news about them comes out, because there's always bad news about Washington coming out, uh, they decided to hold this jersey retirement ceremony. And... The road that was dedicated to him, they had the photo op, and the sign was posted in front of a series of porta potties. That's where they had the photo op where they were dedicating the road to him. That part I didn't see. Yeah. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Yep. So they have the family out there standing in front of people taking dumps at the tailgate. That's, that's, what, they, that's what that was. Uh, just awful. And then they have his number painted on the sidelines, but... They that's where the other so it was Kansas City. That's where the Kansas City VIPs were designated to stand. So you've got Jackson Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes' terrible the little brother. Absolute worst. Dancing on his jersey number on his retirement day, doing his little TikTok BS. And, and Snyder, the owner, they have them up in the owner suites. He's wearing just like he's not even dressed nice, he's wearing a hoodie, and it was just all thrown together. That They gave nobody any heads up. It was it was Bush League, and it was clearly done with PR in mind and not with doing the right thing by the player in mind. Ole Miss, not that way. This is, I mean, they, they wanted to do it last year, but COVID hit, and it's working out. 
It's Which working I- out perfectly because this is Arch Manning's <laughs> visit weekend, and they just so happen to have Manning painted in the end zone and stuff. It's working out perfectly, but it looks like they're doing a really damn good job with this. I- I've seen many former players talk about how they're going to be in town for this in particular. Uh, seems like, for the most part, they're they're doing this really right. It Yeah, it does, and... I had something <laughs> that I was going to say a second ago when you heard me kind of cut in, and I completely forgot what it was. So no, we'll just right. we'll blow right past it. Honestly, I think, you know, and it's it's kind of hard to fathom, I guess, when you look at it and say they've only had two other people have their numbers retired in the history of the entire program, and so I think that warrants this kind of treatment. And I think they are doing it really well so far, and you know, no reason to believe that Saturday won't be any different in front of what. Should be a sellout crowd. It will be. They're they're gonna sell it out uh, for sure. Um, minor kind of hot take. I don't think anybody should retire jersey numbers unless it's a extenuating circumstance. I think you should do Ring of Honor because you can put more. You can do more people when you do it that way instead of. And I'm fine with like number ten never being worn again. I, I get that. Jersey number thirty eight. Although this year it's a patch instead of the jersey. Uh, being worn as a special reason. I, I get that. But you can honor more players that deserve to be honored if you do a ring of honor as opposed to retiring jerseys. Because you do more both. people deserve You, you yeah. can do both, I suppose. Uh, but y- y- there are more people that are deserving of their name in Vault-Hemingway Stadium than just Eli Manning, etc. Yeah, 100%. And I, maybe that could be part of potentially a stadium renovation. Right now, I don't necessarily even logistically know where you put it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, maybe that is something that they can work in down the road because, yeah, there are endless, there's an endless list of players that you could put up, up there, but you're not necessarily going to say, we're going to retire their jersey. Like Elijah Moore. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, he is the savior of Ole Miss football, as it turns <laughs> out. Um, so, big weekend. I, I mean, I, I think that, Anytime you've got a player of Arch Manning's caliber in town, it's obviously a big weekend. As far as I understand it, they're going to have another high-profile quarterback in town this weekend. They've uh, recently hosted in the 2023 cl- or 2022 class a couple of high-profile quarterbacks. that They are not putting Arch Manning as their only prospect. And I have heard you from can't. some people that they shouldn't do it that way. And I don't know. You're saying that they should put all of their eggs in that in one basket and, and show him awful. that he is the only thing they care about and all that stuff. And, and I think that that is a terrible, terrible strategy. Uh, if you're one of those people, which you may be not, it maybe it's just a very small vocal few. But I am telling you, I have heard from people that have said they don't want Lane Kiffin and Jeff Lebby and company recruiting other quarterbacks in Arch Manning's class because they want. All of the resources to be put in Arch, and you cannot do that because there's a great chance he doesn't show, and if he doesn't show, what are you going to do about it? Well, and there's multiple reasons that you you can't do that. One, like you said, he may not come there. Two, most classes, you almost need two quarterbacks, regardless if one yeah. is a five-star, one's a three-star, whatever. DJ Uyunglele was a five-star quarterback for Clemson. People thought he was going to be the second coming of Trevor Lawrence, Oh my God, there's going to be no drop-off. He's amazing. He's awful. So sometimes five-star quarterbacks aren't great. I think Arch Manning will be great regardless of where he goes. 
So I'm not meaning to say it that way, but you never know. They're high school kids at the end of the day. They're playing against high school competition. When you make the jump to the SEC, the ACC, in DJ's case, it's a different level of competition. So you have to recruit other quarterbacks just in case. You can't put all of your eggs into one basket as a recruit because if you don't get that guy, you're screwed. Yep. Uh, Not just arch visiting this weekend. I mean, you have a four-star wide receiver, a four-star cornerback, Kamari Rogers, by the way, uh, according to my friend Zach Barry, already as of this recording on Thursday in town. He's currently committed to Miami, uh, but he is uh, from Lexington, Mississippi, and Miami is potentially going to experience some coaching turnover, stuff like that. So, I mean, he's in town. Uh, you got Otis, the big guy from Columbia that's committed to Alabama in town. I mean, you have four He's a star- big man. Oh, my God. It's hard to fathom that that is a, a high school kid. Um, there's, I think, seven, eight four-stars in, in town this weekend for Ole Miss that are not named Arch Manning. So this is a big, big weekend, and a big atmosphere is needed. So Lane Kiffin uh, was just being truthful this week. I, I don't think there was any kind of subliminal messaging when he talked about They've played in two real game-impacting atmospheres this year, and he hasn't seen one in his own stadium yet this season. There's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, home games are Austin P, Tulane, and a monsoon in Arkansas at 11 a.m. So that does... That Tulane game was on track to being a good environment. I'm not going to say that it was going to be game-changing and... Tulane wasn't going to be able to run their offense, but the weather really kind of messed that one up. It did. Uh, and then an 11 a.m. kick with Arkansas, not not good, but this is as perfect as a, of a day as you can ask for it. The weather is as perfect as it can possibly be. The game time is perfect. The opponent is perfect. Your team is really good. This is the kind of thing he's talking about. Whether it's sold out or not, whether they are, are able to get rid of the 700 tickets remaining or not. I'll it's take not one a, if anyone yeah. out there has one. It's not about butts and seats. It's about what those people do in the seats. And, I mean, he said it. And I was in the stadium that day when Alabama played at Ole Miss in 2014. The crowd was – that was a real environment. And Ole Miss has not – sorry if this offends anybody. Ole Miss has not done a good job of that really ever. Even in the freeze era, I remember sitting here thinking, in that stadium, these people need to be more involved in the game. 60,000 people can impact a game. No doubt about it. Absolutely, they can. You got to do it, though. And this is the kind of thing he's talking about. You've got the numbers. Now make it what it was when he was there as the OC at Alabama. Impact LSU. Make it hard for them to communicate. Players, I promise you, they said it after the Tennessee game that Tennessee fed off the crowd and they could feel it. That they were... They actually impacted the game, and you can do that too. And that's something that he's very clearly frustrated with. Now that you've got these big-time recruits in town, it's an important game. Huge. You've got a Heisman-contending quarterback. When he's trying to sell your program and make it something that can win at the highest level, it's got to have everything that wins at the highest level, including the atmosphere. You got to make it one. I know there, there's not 60,000 of you that listen to this, but those of you that do, be the people that actually affect the environment. Especially the student section. Oh, yeah. I think that that has to play a much bigger factor. And, and I they've know, been there. Credit to them. They've yeah, been there. They're there. Game. 
You just have to make you make your presence felt. And again, we've talked about the switch between end zones, whatever that does to it, I'm not sure. But you have to be loud as a student section. That's part of it. Same thing with basketball. Basketball student sections yep. are great. They can be great. A lot of places they aren't. But if you can affect the game in any way, shape, or form, coaches notice that, players notice that, and they appreciate it. it needs to happen. Yep. It needs to happen. It, it The question's asked all the time, oh, well, what can we do to make Kiffin think that uh, he can stay and win here? It starts this weekend. Yeah, and... You mentioned that he it was, really does. He was just being honest when he was asked the question. Maybe he didn't mean to be so honest, but he he said what it was on his mind. And and I, as a media member, you kind of know when coaches are, are feeding you lines and just giving you coach speak. That was truly a genuine feeling from him that he wants that and needs that moving forward. So yeah. it's uh, it's time. Be the difference is is what he was asking and. Um... It is an important game. I know LSU's not good, coaching search, all that stuff, but it's an important game. I mean, my gosh, guys, you are at home. It's the 230 CBS game. You've got a Heisman-contending quarterback. This is an extremely important game. Right before you go on the road to Auburn, I mean, the Sugar Bowl is still within your grasp. I mean, this is a big deal. Anytime LSU's in town, it's a big deal, but there's more on the line for Ole Miss this year than usual when LSU comes to town. So let's talk about the game itself. LSU looked good against Florida last week, but just on one side of the ball, they gave up, what, almost 600 yards of offense and 42 points to Florida, who was alternating quarterbacks? They did intercept the ball six times, though, between the two. but they gave up that many points and yards with four interceptions, right? Yeah, and actually that's the same script almost uh, against Ole Miss last year. People talk about the Arkansas game with Matt Corral as the shining moment of, oh, no, he's turnover prone. People almost forget, I think, he did throw five interceptions against LSU and fumble on the final drive of the game. But with all that said, Ole Miss was still in a position to win that game with all of those turnovers. So kind of a same, kind of the same situation that you saw last week against Florida. Yeah. Apparently, and I'm not smart enough to know this. I'm not a film watcher. I'm not going to pretend to be. LSU mixed up some run blocking schemes and did something different to Florida that they've done really all season long, and Florida was not prepared for it. The good news is you have that on film now. Maybe they've got more wrinkles they're going to add, but you've at least seen it right now. I still believe that this is an LSU team. This is the LSU team that we've always thought that they were. I, I truly believe that. I think they're really going to struggle to run the football against basically everybody. They're weak on the offensive line. Johnson is just okay. They're really lacking in receiver depth. This LSU, I, I'm not the the Florida game happened and all of that. This is who I think they are. And now we've got the X factor of their coach has been fired. Every member on that staff is now wondering where their next job is going to be. And every player in their mind is going to think you know, maybe some of them are like, oh, i got to win for Coach O. Maybe that happens. But also, what's the point? Hmm. My coach has been fired, but he's still here? Uh, looking at the transfer portal, other things. that Allowing a guy to stick around is an interesting call after you fire him. It doesn't appear to work very often. You I, could see an LSU team that would be very quick to lie down if you jump on them early. See, and I guess I kind of went the other way with it. You almost get the, 
the interim coach bump of excitement, I think, coming into this week, in my opinion. Uh, that's how I would look at it, I guess, if I'm a player there. I think to a certain degree, that coaching staff was probably feeling a bit of unease the whole season. Now I think you kind of lift that weight, and they know what their future is. They don't know where they'll end up, all that kind of stuff, but they at least know that it's coming. You don't have to sit there and say, oh, no, if we lose this game, what happens? You know, where do I go? Am I going to keep my roster spot if you're a player? I think they're, they almost may be more energized coming into this week from the standpoint of, okay, we know now. There's not that kind of dark cloud hanging over that we're waiting for that rain to start falling, hmm. metaphorically. It's uh, oh, interesting. I do want to correct something I said. It, it wasn't six interceptions last week. It was four. Each quarterback for Florida had two, not three. So, quick correction there for myself. <laughs> All right. Two questions. Ole Miss absolutely must do what if they want to win the game? They absolutely must contain the LSU running game. We saw it get going a week ago. Ole Miss, the defense still is not fantastic. We saw an improved effort, especially in the second half last week against Tennessee. But if that running game gets going and LSU is able to kind of control the tempo on the offensive side of the ball, I think Ole Miss would be in trouble. And make Max Johnson throw. I He's made a couple plays throughout the season that, you know, that have impressed me. But overall, I don't think he's that dynamic of an athlete, certainly. I don't think he has the strongest arm. So if you can affect him in the pocket, I think you put your defense in a much better position. What can they absolutely not do? They absolutely cannot. You know, I I feel like this is cheating, saying they can't turn the football over. Because I went with that against Arkansas, and I'm kind of using that same mindset as far as what this game was for Matt Corral a year ago. Uh, So I'll stick with that. If I think of a better one, or if I... Yeah, if I come up with a secondary one, I'll let you know after you give your answers. Um, I think Ole Miss absolutely must execute because quite simply, if they do, I think they'll win the game rather comfortably. If they come out and play well and execute early, unlike they did last week, honestly. Um, And we'll see about injuries. I mean, there's always so much talk about injuries and some of the guys play, some of them don't. Who knows? But if I, I think it's really simple this week. If Ole Miss comes out and executes because Matt Crowell's going to play, um, if they come out and execute, I think it's a team that they can jump on early and, and really cruise in the game. This is not one of those situations to me where if Ole Miss plays their A game, it's still going to be uncomfortable. I don't see it going down like that. If Ole Miss shows up and plays their A game, I think they will win quite comfortably. So play mistake-free football. None of these penalties, especially from offensive linemen, but pen, no penalties, no turnovers, just execution, basic execution and be sharp, and they'll win this game comfortably. They absolutely cannot allow LSU to have success running the football. I loved what they did against Tennessee multiple times right before the snap. I don't know if you noticed this. They took their three-man front and collapsed it a little bit. Yeah. And they bogged down the interior, and what that did was force Tennessee to go outside some, and that's where Ole Miss's defense is at its strength because their safeties can come up and play the run really well. Two Mark, best players are your safeties. And Mark Robinson especially was able to um, play sideline to sideline well. I mean, he he really changes direction and moves fast. And I mean, it's like the light bulb came on for him. Yeah. So well, they, and they, with his 
background as a running back, I think that really does come in handy. That helps. Uh, so Ole Miss was able to kind of bog down the middle and force Tennessee to go sideline to sideline. And when that when that happened, Ole Miss was able to feast. Not it wasn't perfect, but they were able to do that. So yeah, just um, be physical on the interior and the run game, just like last week. And I don't think Max Johnson's a guy that's beating you by himself. No. You want one that'll bother you? Uh, something that they absolutely must do. I only say score this score more po- points in their opponent. No, no, no. I was going to say I only say I only say this because I saw you tweet about it. Ole Miss absolutely must get John Rice Plumley involved oh, with z- <laughs> with zone reads. Oh my God, Mike Farrell. Good Lord. <laughs> um, the dumbest thing I've seen, I think, in terms. Of, uh, Mike Farrell of Rivals wrote that um, Lane Kiffin put Matt Corral in danger through his thirst, what was it? No, his lust of beating Tennessee, and that to alleviate Matt Corral running, they should put Plumlee in at quarterback to run zone reads. That was what that big brain moron decided was the best course of action for Ole Miss, was to take Matt Corral out of the game. (laughs) That's what a guy that is paid more than me to write about sports thinks Ole Miss should do, and it's take Matt Corral out of the game. Oh, my God. Like, if if the take was he can't run it 30 times next week, I hear That's you. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, he can't, and he won't. But what? You know what, that? You know, you know what no one was doing when Kyle Trask was at Florida last year? Saying, we need to bring Emory Jones into the game. Actually, the only one doing that was Dan Mullen for some reason in a yeah. lot of games. No one else was asking them to do that. He wanted to do it anyway for whatever reason. No one said put in the backup when Joe Burrow was at LSU. I don't know who their backup was at the time. But that doesn't happen. You do not take your Heisman contender quarterback out of the game for any reason other than the fact that he's injured. Yeah. That's it. So That's it. I just wanted to, to mention that real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not right. saying getting him involved in the game plan is not a, it's a terrible idea. I'm not saying that. Putting him in at quarterback is a terrible yes, idea. of course, because you have the best one in America right now. Uh, score prediction? Score prediction. So, the what's the over-under? I've now extended my streak to four weeks in a row of getting it wrong. The over-under is 76. I will go back to the under, and I will say Ole Miss wins 42-21. Wow, blowout. Mine was 42-28. Okay. What does that add up to? That's 40? still under. Okay. That's probably where I should have went. Yeah, that's, that's still under. <laughs> I was making under. sure that my math uh, added up correctly on mine, so I probably lowballed it a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't know what – no, I know what it is. It's because of Matt Corral. That, I mean, that's it's really that simple sometimes. When you've got a player like that, it, you, you tend to just have confidence because what has he shown you this year that tells you that he's not going to show up and play really well and hard as hell and be prepared? Nothing. Um, when you've got number two on your team, be confident in your team's ability to win games because that is a guy that LSU does not have. Auburn's going to be tough as hell for Ole Miss next week. That's a difficult game. I mean, that's a really difficult game. But you've got number two. And when you have number two, you have chances to win games that you probably shouldn't. Texas A&M comes to Oxford in a few weeks. Texas A&M has a better roster top-to-bottom talent-wise on both sides of the ball than Ole Miss. But they yep. don't have number two, and that makes Ole Miss a ch- that gives Ole Miss a chance to win that game. Uh, also, the play sheet. Give me the quarterback, uh, quarterback, and the call sheet, 
and that's your winner. I think Ole Miss will win and win relatively comfortably. 42-28, I think this is the kind of coaching staff, this is the kind of quarterback that is able to rise to the occasion in atmospheres like this. I, I've heard so often people doing the we are Ole Miss thing. This is not the Ole Miss that you're used to to seeing. It's not. It's clearly different. And you're clearly different at quarterback. The call sheet's clearly different. I think they're going to win convincingly on Saturday. I expect it, honestly. I think the atmosphere is going to be incredible. I think Arch is going to be impressed by Ole Miss kicking LSU's ass on Saturday. That's what I expect. You know, I'm revising mine. I've been sitting here stewing ever since that came out of my mouth. I'm saying 38-31. Ole Miss wins, LSU covers. The, The line actually moved since we've been sitting here. It was nine when we started, I refreshed the page. It's nine and a half. Hmm. So I'm taking LSU it's, with the points. It's settled a little. Uh, the, nobody believes the uh, the corral news, by the way. Like that yeah, line didn't I don't think move that didn't at work. all. Like it didn't even move a little <laughs> bit after no. uh, he tried. But anyway, y'all enjoy the game. Uh, again, I talked to a friend this morning that said the town is, is already like you. It feels like Friday is what he said. So enjoy yourselves this weekend. I know it's going to be nuts up there. Uh, appreciate what you've got. Corral's only going to take that field a few more times. And uh, enjoy it. And enjoy the win. At least that's how I think it's going to go down. Hey, I said they were going to win, but not cover at this point. I hear you. <laughs> well, uh, we'll talk to you guys again after the game and then uh, into next week as Ole Miss gets ready for a very difficult game at Auburn. But in the meantime, enjoy yourselves this weekend, and we'll talk to you again soon. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.